All right, church, y'all ready to hear about the grace factor? Yeah, I, uh, sometimes I, I don't really know what to call it, so I just figured if I put the word grace in there, you guys would understand. Yeah? Um, I appreciate nobody coming up to me and, and asking me what's going on with the stage. Um, yesterday, it was all hung, and apparently I did not hang it the right way. Some of them are still hanging, but as Paul pointed out, man, the veil has been torn. So just a little bit of it remains up there. I got to figure out how to do that. Of course, I bought these bulbs, and they said shatterproof on the outside. So you know I was like, really? Really? Are they, shat they are shatterproof. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word's always true. It's always on time. Thank you for reminding us, Father, of, of how blessed we are, especially during this time. God, we thank you for the, the week of Thanksgiving where we set aside to always remember all the things we're thankful for. God, we uh, never want to take for granted, ever want to take for granted the work of Jesus in our lives. God, we thank you that he is... Uh, and he truly is the reason for this, this season that's coming up. And none of that would be possible without his sacrifice. So, Father, thank you for blessing us beyond measure during this time as we receive what you have for us today in Jesus' name. Let the church say, Amen. Amen. All right, let's go wide into the world. We got Acts 13, 22. And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. A man. How many of you guys want to be a man after God's own heart? So how do we get to be that guy or a woman? How do we get to be that person? By the way, I don't believe they're, you could have be to say they got to be separate. You can't be that thing. After God's own heart. Amen? Amen? God loves people though, yes? A man after God's own heart. Why? People say David was quick to repent. Well, there's a lot of people that were quick to repent. Right? And by the way, when he said this about David, it wasn't before, it was before all that stuff went down. He said that about David when David was a teenager. When David was a teenager. So what made David a man after God's own heart? I've preached this before. I truly believe this. Psalm 132 uh, verse 1 through 6, Lord, uh, Lord, remember David and all his afflictions, how he swore to the Lord and bowed to the mighty one of Jacob. Surely I will not go into the chamber of my house or go up to the comfort of my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until, until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. He wouldn't go to sleep until he found a place for the Lord. Well, what is the place, what is, what is it he's talking about? A place for the Lord. Well, behold, we heard of it. It, say it. What is it? We heard of it in Ephrathah, that's Bethlehem. We found it in the fields of the woods. Remember that, fields of the woods. They found it in the fields of the woods. So what is it? It is the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant. Da David said, I will not go to sleep until I find a place for the Ark of the Covenant. Because it was not in Jerusalem. It was somewhere else. And a little background on that story. Uh, 1 Samuel 5. Uh, th there, was, uh, there was some priests that, uh, that were corrupt. And therefore God, uh, that the Philistines came in and took over. And the Philistines took the ark. Are Philistines saved? Yes. 
Well, was anybody saved back there? No. Are they Jewish? No. no. So they're the enemy. And they came and took the Ark of the Covenant. Then the Philistines took the Ark of the, see, told you. The Ark of God and, and brought it from Ebenezer uh, to Ashdod. When the Philistines took the Ark of God, they brought it to the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. Now, Dagon is a Philistine god. It's a fish god. So it's like a fish dude with legs. People would do some stupid stuff when they were godless. I, I could tell you all the stupid stuff I did. We ain't got time for that. I didn't mean that to come across as people do. I was one of those people, amen? As Paul said, I am the chief, right? All right, uh, as I rose early in the morning, oh, oh, they set it by their God, right? Meaning that we conquered the Jew Jewish God. And we're going to put them underneath our God, right? Well, look what happened. And when the people of Ashdod arose early in the morning, there was Dagon fallen on its face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. They were like, Dagon. That's where it came from. <laughs> Poor Lord. So, so they, took, they took Dagon <laughs> and set it in its place again. They're going to try it again, right? Well, and when they arose early the next morning, there was Dagon falling on its face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. The head of Dagon and both the palms of its hands were broken off uh, on the threshold. Only Dagon's torso was left of it. Only that, that was the only thing left of it. So the point of this is, is, is the Philistines took the ark. And, and, and I want you to know the ark represents somebody. The ark represents the presence of God. Right? In this story. And, and I want you to know that the presence of God can defend itself. It can defend itself. So even when the Jewish people let it go, they didn't, they, 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 they cast it aside and they, they got taken over because they were corrupt. Right? And so the Ark of the Covenant left and went to the hands of the enemy. But even in the hands of the enemy, it took care of itself. God can take care of himself. Amen? Fish God had no, that little statue had no prayer. I can't imagine. Sometimes I like to picture myself in those stories and what I would have thought, like I've walked up on it. Because, you know, the whole town was talking about it. It was crazy. So here's a picture of the ark. Where, what is the ark? What is the ark? For, what is the ark for us today? It's a picture of Jesus, right? The ark is, uh, is, is made out of Arcadia wood on the inside, which represents uh, manhood, represents humanity. But it's overlaid in gold, which represents deity so jesus is 100 percent man and 100 percent god amen uh you see the mercy seat on the top the mercy seat jesus is our propitiation that word there means mercy seat uh that's where god meets with us today where jesus had shed his blood right that's what would happen up there um you, there's so much there that's about jesus i've done a whole teaching on that right and and so what i want you to know today david had a heart for God because he wanted to bring Jesus back to the center. And, and it got me thinking about Thanksgiving, right? It got me thinking about there's a lot of stuff going on in our families. There's a lot of uh, stuff that's distracting that's going on in our families. And so I don't, want, I don't want us to forget how important it is, how important it is to bring Jesus with us Thursday. It's a given that he should be with us every day, but 
Maybe this Thursday you could start a family tradition where before you eat with your family, you do this in remembrance of. You have communion. Amen? Amen. And you bring Jesus back into the center. A lot of times when our family is falling apart, it seems like it's falling apart. It seems like it's out of control. It's because we let fear get in the way and we forget to bring Jesus into the center of our family. And so it's just a good reminder. It's a gentle reminder. It's not like I'm condemning you, right? The Lord doesn't condemn. The Lord only lifts up and edifies. And, and so that's a loving way of saying, hey, don't forget about my son. That's why David wanted to go get it. That ark is a picture of Jesus. It's bringing the presence of God back. Amen? Exodus 24, 9. This is very interesting. Then Moses went up and also Aaron, uh, Nadab, and Abihu. Uh, you know, I'm going to jack those up. And 70 of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone. Say sapphire stone. And it was like the very heavens in its clarity. Um, one of the things I want to tell you about is in the Ark of the Covenant, I would go over there and lift the lid, but if you're not saved, you would die. Anybody see Indiana Jones? That joke went over well. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lift up the ark, right? In that ark is what? Three items. You got Aaron's staff. I don't know why this represents staff. I'm thinking he's like standing here. Aaron's staff. You got the Ten Commandments. You got the jar of manna, right? All three of those represent what? Man's rejection, right? Man's rejection of God's appointed leadership, Aaron's staff. Man's rejection of God's provision, the jar of manna. And man's rejection of God's standard, the Ten Commandments, right? They're all in that box. And God said, put it in the box and cover it with the mercy seat. There I will meet with you. And so the, 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 the coffin, the word for uh, ark is actually coffin. Did you guys know that in Hebrew? It actually is coffin. So God said, bury it and cover it with the mercy seat. That's where I'll meet with you. And so that's why we always like to say that the, uh, the, the, the Ark of the Covenant is really a picture of Jesus because the mercy seat has covered all of our rejection of God's standards. Yes? Sapphire, man. Uh, the, anybody know what the Talmud is? The Jewish Talmud? Right? It's a record of the history of um, uh, the laws, and, and it's made up of two different parts. Um, one is the, the actual history of it. One is the commentary of it by the priest, right? Together, it's called the Talmud. The Talmud tells us that the Ten Commandments, the stone that it was made out of, was sapphire. Sapphire. And they get it from here in a couple other places, but this is where the paid work of sapphire stone was under the feet of God. And then th this is after Moses broke the first one, right? He broke the Ten Commandments. And it would be in Exodus uh, 34 that he presents them again. But it, would, it was made out of sapphire stone. Now, that's very interesting, right? So sapphire represents the law. Yes? Do you know there's a story in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 5, where you had a guy named Ananias and his wife's name was Sapphira? And they died? And people think, man, that's, that's so sad, right? But it's a, everything is about Jesus, right? So Whenever you have Ananias, whose name in Greek means the grace of God, Sapphira, whose name is representative of the law, right? You put them together. You can't have grace in the law. It is a deadly mixture. And you will die when you mix the law. By the law is the knowledge of sin. Amen? 
So you can't mix grace and sin. Some people will do that. You cannot do that. Anyway, I thought that was cool, man. Uh, Galatians 5, 4 says, you have become estranged from Christ. Good or bad to be there? Anybody want to be estranged from Christ? No. You who attempt to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace, right? You see this on the news. People say, hey, man, so-and-so fell from grace, right? You, if you see me get pulled over for, for drinking and driving, you'd be like, well, Troy fell from grace. That's not true. You, you, it, just read the verse again. Just read it slowly, right? I'm not one of those pastors going to throw it out there to make a point. Read it very slowly. If you become estranged, if you become separated from Jesus, you who attempt to be justified by the law. In other words, when you're trying to do the right thing all the time, when you're trying to make something happen in order to be accepted by God, you are forgetting what Christ did for you, and you make him a stranger to you, right? You have fallen from grace. Notice grace is higher. Grace is higher. In order for you to fall from something, it's got to be higher. So, so the grace is higher than the law. That is the same thing on the ark. The mercy seat is higher than where the law is. Amen? So what's more important to God? The mercy seat, Jesus, or your performance? It's his performance. Jesus is for you. That's good news. It's got to be some good news for somebody. Look at 1 Samuel 6, 19 through 21. So the ark, we're following the story of the ark. We're building on this story, right? We're following the story of the ark. So after the men took it from Philistine, uh, the fish head dude came, and, 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 and he got crumbled, right? They were like, whoa, this ain't right. Let's get rid of that thing. So they got rid of it. They, they, they sent it to Beth Shemesh. Then he struck the men of Beth Shemesh because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. See, you can't look in the ark if you're not saved. You'll die. <laughs> not anymore. But you did back then. It's the presence of God. And if you ain't saved, you're, no one could be worthy back then. Jesus hadn't come yet. Amen? So, so they would look in and they died. A bunch of them died, ma'am. How many died? He struck 50,000 people died. No, well, it's very <laughs> 50,070. <laughs> 50,070 men of the people. And the people lamented because the Lord has struck the people with a great slaughter. And the men of Beth Shemesh said, Who is able to stand before this holy Lord of God? And to whom shall it go up from us? They're like, look, we got to get rid of that box. That box ain't helping nobody here. We got to get rid of it. So they sent messengers to the inhabitants of Kerjath-Jerim, saying, The Philistines have brought back the ark of the Lord. Come down and take it up with you. Right? That word right there, Kerjath-Jerim, it literally means the place of the woods. The place of the woods. That's where it was when David said in Psalm that he wanted to go there and get it. So you got this. For 20 years, King Saul never thought to bring the ark to Jerusalem. It sat there for 20 years. And David was a boy. He was a teenager. He couldn't do much about it back then, but he wanted to go get it. This speaks today of churches. Like everything that was important was in Jerusalem. Everything was in Jerusalem except the Ark of the Covenant. They talked about God all day long. There's people out there today that talk about God all day long in church, but they never mention the name Jesus. They're in that old covenant. That's what's going on there. They can talk about God all they want to, but the presence of God was not there. 
presence of God was seven miles away. And unfortunately, there's a lot of church. I went to a funeral recently where they just, it was all God, 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 God. I never once, Kelly, you remember, never once did they say the name Jesus. One hour. One hour, not once did they say the name Jesus. Jesus, the name above every name. The only name that can get you into heaven. This was a funeral at a church. Why not talk about the only name that can get you to heaven? Because people are so law-minded. They're old covenant-minded. God, you're... And, and I, I love when people have funerals and, and the guys up there talking about, if you don't know the Lord, this could be you. And your fate would be eternity in hell. Oh, God. I might be over-dramatizing a little bit. But, <laughs> but they try to scare you into coming to Jesus. Yeah? Can you imagine if that's the way it worked with your wife? Like you scared her to come to you. Look, girl, you, you pass this right here. You can find someone that might beat you every day. You can find someone that might not. He, he'll neglect everything you want. But you can come now and receive this. <laughs> right? How's that going to work? <laughs> Try it sometimes. See how that doesn't work. It doesn't work, right? Why do we think it works that way with God? Why do we think our Father in Heaven is like that? It, it sounds stupid now, doesn't it? Because it is stupid. I was just wondering if I could say stupid. I can say what I want. I'm free. <laughs> There's a few things I can't say. All right. So back to this. Behold, we heard of it, the ark, the presence of the Lord. In Bethlehem, we found it in the fields of the woods. That's literally the name of that city. So David went to get it. Now, there's two times that David went to get it. You know how I always talk about there's always two times, right? There's two times that God gave the law to Moses. There's two times that, that Abraham or that Moses struck the rock. And they all have significance, right? It's beautiful, 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 beautiful. So watch this. This is cool. 2 Samuel chapter 6. Again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel. 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal, Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God. He's going to get it because now he's king. Now he, now he can go get it, right? Uh, whose name is called by the name the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the ark of God on a new cart. That's bad. That's bad because David forgot in all his excitement what the word actually says. They have specific instructions on, uh, on how to go and get the ark. Who's supposed to carry the ark? The priest. They put it on a cart. They like FedExed it. <laughs> That's not a good idea, right? So they put it on a cart. and uh, uh, Oh, a new cart. Lord, we ain't going to get no, just a cart. We're going to get a new cart to carry this sucker. He's like, oh my, oh my me. Right? All right, new cart. And brought it out of the house of Abimadad, which was on the hill. And Uzzah, Uzzah, and I, Ohio, the sons of Abinadab, they drove the new cart. Drove it, drove the new cart, and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, 
accompanying the ark of God, and Ohio went before the ark. Ohio went before the ark. Uzzah was behind the ark. You guys know what happened? <laughs> now, now, they loved the Lord. They did. They loved the Lord. But they didn't remember what they were supposed to do with the ark, right? They didn't know how to handle the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of fir wood, on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on, there's no organ up there, sorry. I, I used to love when people say, drums aren't in the Bible. The organ's not in the Bible. <laughs> if, if you want to go there, you want to go there? But don't argue with 70-year-old women. Look, it, it's just not... Y'all laughing because that's usually, y'all had a picture in your head, didn't you? You know that lady. <laughs> but symbols are in there, yeah. All right. And when they came to Nashon's threshing floor, uh, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. So the oxen stumbled, and Uzzah went to catch it. He went to do something about it. That's a good deed, right? <laughs> then the anger of the Lord <laughs> was aroused against, not the oxen, Uzzah. And God struck him uh, there for his heir, his heir. And he died there by the ark of God. And you're like, well, what kind of God would do that? He was just trying to help. Let me just tell you this. God doesn't need your help. He has specifically said how he wanted his presence to be taken care of. And a lot of times today, people try to help God with a lot of ministries today are dying because men are trying to help God. A lot of churches are dying because men think they're trying to help God, right? Now, there's a fine line there, but let me just show you something in Scripture. This is beautiful, right? This is the name of Uzzah. Now, Uzziah with a with an I-A, would be God's strength. That's man's strength. His name literally means the strength of men. Whenever the strength of man steps in to try to help God, it leads to death. It leads to death. But whenever you let God lead you and you do it in God's strength, it always leads to life. So this story is not about a God, like who would serve a God like that. It's they didn't understand how it was written they had forgotten how it was written. You just can't touch it. The ark is, had to be held up by the priest. The priest had to hold that sucker up and walk out with it. And the reason God did that is because he knew those were the guys that were separated to do that. By the way, today, we are all priests. We're kings and priests. That's who we are today. So that's why we can lift up. You ever have a... a um, You've, been to a, you've seen a sporting event. Maybe it was soccer or football or whatever. The, and, and somebody scores at the very last second to win the game, right? What do all the players do come out and do? They all come out and lift that guy up or girl up, right? And a place of honor. And that's, that's kind of the same thing that when we are, are kings and priests, we lift up Jesus. God, they're lifting up the ark. But don't forget, the ark is a picture of Jesus. And he had it laid out that way. So here's the lesson. He thought God needed his help. God did not need his help. Okay? By the way, the ark took care of itself when it was in the hands of the Philistines, right? All right, look at 2 Samuel 6, 8. 
And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. He's like, man, why did you do that? And, and, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid. He was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? He's like, man, if you're going to judge that because of what he did, why would I want the ark to come to me? I don't want to be judged that way. I don't want it to come to me. Keep it away from me. He was afraid of the Lord. Now, he went back to a spirit of fear. There's people today that go back to a, spirit, a bondage of fear, as Paul said. Well, don't go back there. And what puts you back there? You're focused on the sin. You're focused on the sin. I wrote this down. The lesson here is grace is not hindered by man's sin, but by man's strength. When you feel like you are strong enough to overcome something, you hinder grace. You don't need grace at that point because it's all on you. But when, when you realize that, that you are weak, that you can't do it, that you can't do certain things, that you need the help of Jesus, that's when you feel the presence of grace just come overflowing on you abundantly. It's abundant grace. It just comes flowing out. But we got to get out of the fact that David, David saw that, and he was so focused on sin, like, man, if you're counting that sin, he was trying to help you. But that angered you? Yeah, because it was sin. He wasn't doing what the Lord told him to do. Right? This is the first time he went and got the ark. So he left it there. Look, so David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom. Say Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The Gittite means from, from uh, Gaza. Gaza. Who, who else is from Gaza? The Philistines. Obed-Edite, according, uh, according to certain uh, Jewish history books. Anybody hear of Josephus? He's a Jewish historian. A long time ago, right? Uh, he wrote that this Obed-Edom was not a Jew. He wasn't because he was from Gaza. Gaza. He was from the, where the Philistines were from, where, where the giants were, right? Anybody remember a certain giant? That's where he's from. So Obed-Edom was a poor man that was living out there. David and them were going by there, and they put the ark there because David was afraid of it. So he said, hey, man, you take it. You take it. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. All his household. You want your household to be blessed? Bring Jesus back. Put Jesus back in the center of your home. You got kids that might not be saved. You got family members that might not be saved coming to your house. Put Jesus in the middle of it. Watch what happens. You will be blessed and your whole household will be blessed. The whole house will be blessed. That's the way it works. When, 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 uh, when Paul went to, or when Peter went to meet with a certain Italiano in the Bible, the Bible says his whole household became Christians that day because of him, because of the Italiano. He got saved, and his whole family was saved just like that. Well, how do you know they didn't ask the Lord into their heart? It doesn't say that. It says he got saved, and his whole household was saved. You bring Jesus into your household, the whole household gets blessed. Remember, in the, we just talked about this, uh, the Exodus. The, 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 if the lamb is too small for your house, share it. It's never the house is too small for the lamb. 
It's always the lamb. If the lamb, uh, I got it backwards. It's always the lamb is greater than your household. Is Jesus greater than your household? Does Jesus love people? Yes, he loves people, man. Don't, don't just start throwing stuff out there and say, well, if they didn't, you know, if they didn't say the prayer, then they're not, if they didn't confess they're a sinner, they're not going to go to heaven. You don't know that. You don't know that. In fact, to get to heaven, it says nothing about confessing your sin. It says confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Believe in your heart he's alive today. You shall be saved. It doesn't say confess your sin. You confess Jesus. Amen? Don't let somebody stand up here and say, hey, you got to confess, 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 confess. No, you confess Jesus. That's what the Bible says. Amen? Woo! Don't get me on that one. We'd be here all day. All right, so look at this. First Corinthians, so First Chronicles 15, 18. What happened at Obed-Edom? He was blessed. He was blessed. His whole household was blessed. Look, Obed-Edom became a gatekeeper of the ark with all those Jewish guys. He became a gatekeeper of the ark. It's in his house. So now David heard about it. The Bible says right here, look, and it was so when they, this is the next verse after it said that uh, Obed-Edom was blessed, right? And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he, he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. David went to get the ark because he heard Obed-Edom. And it wasn't like a spiritual blessing of peace or anything. It was something they saw because the men went to King David and said, hey, his whole household is being blessed. And David was like, whoa, well, let's go get it again. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Chains are falling off this kind of movie. <laughs> and it was, that whole thing is a disaster. Thank you, Jesus. God, we just thank you for these decorations. <laughs> just saying. That one's not going to fall. So they went six paces. So now David went to get it the second time. This is the second time he's getting it. He's bringing it, he's bringing it back. Seven miles back to Jerusalem. He wants the presence of God back in the center, right? He's bringing the ark. And now who's the gatekeeper? Who's the, uh, the keeper of this thing now? Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom is he's like, look, man, I found something that you might want to think about. You might want to think about this. And it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces. That's six steps. They went six steps and did a sacrifice. Do you think David at this point was a little bit radical? He was a little bit serious about this, right? So, so he had the presence of God. They went six paces, sacrifice. He knew that the first time they went to get the ark, there was worship, but there was no sacrifice. Now there's a sacrifice. Now he understands. He understands what that ark is all about. He, he remembered the first time they went to get it. He remembered that it was supposed to be the high priest. He's like, ooh, snap. He's like, sorry, Uzzah. I just forgot. Uzzah's like, thanks. <laughs> Next time, don't forget. Right? That, that's a lie because Uzzah's dead. He can't talk. 
right, uh, so he remembered this time they got the priest to do it, right? They go six paces, they sacrifice. Look at the name, look at the name Obed-Edom, all right? It means servant of Edom. So servant, Obed, servant. Edom, blood. Literally, his name means servant of the blood. Red blood, if we want to really want to get technical. He's a servant of the red blood. He understood something. He understood about sacrifice. His name's not there by mistake. That has great purpose, right? His name means that you got to remember the sacrifice. It's great to have worship, but if you don't remember the sacrifice, it's all for naught. What are you worshiping? There was worship before Uzzah died. There was. It said it. We saw it. They were playing music. Everything but the organ. Remember that story? Don't make me tell it again. Everything. They were playing music, but there was still death. Why? They didn't. They, what were they worshiping? They weren't worshiping. They were worshiping God, but they did not have a sacrifice. Now they have a sacrifice. Yep, no sacrifice the first time. 2 Samuel 6.30, and so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed. This time he wasn't playing around. He's like, yep, that's far enough, fellas. <laughs> Let's build a fire. Right? He was serious about it this time. He knew. He wanted God to know. So what happens next? Then David danced. Here comes the worship. The worship follows the sacrifice. Otherwise, what are you worshiping? So the presence of God was there, always there. It, it's even there today when people are preaching the law. God's presence is still there. But they forgot the sacrifice. That's why it feels like death in those churches. It doesn't feel like death in this church because we always talk about the sacrifice. Even when Pastor Dwayne's leading worship, it's all about the sacrifice. Everything we do here is about the sacrifice. And so David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of a trumpet. By the way, he was wearing a linen ephod. Linen ephod. Why linen? You don't sweat. Don't sweat it. Linen was what the priest would wear. And because it didn't, it didn't let them sweat. Right? That way you couldn't say it was man's effort. It's the Lord's work. Right? So he's, he's got this linen ephah on and, 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 uh, and he's dancing in it. He's excited. So the linen represents is what the priests wore, right? So now he's a king priest. King priest. He's king and he's priest. That's who David was. Guess what, church? That's who we are. The name David means beloved, the one being loved. That's what, that's what the Bible says we are. We are God's beloved. We're the ones being loved. We're a king priest. A king speaks. Yeah? A king speaks what he wants to see happen. A priest receives from the Lord and gives to the people. You speak what you want to see happen, and you receive. You got the best of both worlds. Is this better? Thanks, dude. All right, so David and all the house of Israel brought out the ark before the Lord, shouting uh, the sound of the trumpet. Now, as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, this chick, man, she was Saul's daughter. Uh, 
how you pronounce that? Anybody know Mikkel? Michael? Mick Ultra? She, listen, that chick right there, we'll call her Lady M. She represents, her name literally means the one of little water, right? So she's part of God's house, but she's one of those ones that have little water. She's not shrieking like she should be from the Lord, right? Receiving from the Lord. Uh, Saul's daughter looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in his heart. I just want you to know that people that are always preaching the law and people want to hang on to the Ten Commandments, they despise people like me and Pastor Dwayne. You know why? Because we're free, and they don't like what we have to say. And that's okay because that happened to Jesus and that happened to Paul. And I am just fine with that. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. You may have had friends in other churches, and once they say, oh, you're going to that church, they want nothing to do with you anymore. That's okay because the Lord is who I get my pleasure from. And that's a hard lesson to learn sometimes, man, even when family members are coming at you. Listen. A kind word turns away wrath. Maybe I'll try it. <laughs> that was for me, not for y'all. Well, maybe it was for y'all. You ever picture your fist going through somebody's face? <laughs> Seriously, have y'all ever pictured, like, putting a dent in somebody's cheek, like in slow motion? <laughs> y'all need to pray for me. No, I'm just joking. All right, so that's still happening today, by the way. All right, so, so they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place. In his place, in the midst, say in the midst. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst. That's all about Jesus being in the midst. Is Jesus going to be in the midst this Thanksgiving day at your house? Yes, bring him in there. Put him in the midst. Why? You'll be blessed there. Jesus hung between two thieves. He was in the midst of those sinners. And yet his death overcame their death. It doesn't matter if you're going to a family member's house who's not saved. You being there, you bring that blessing to that house. Whew. All right. Uh, in his place in the midst of the tabernacle, and David had erected it for it. Then David offered burnt offering and peace offering before the Lord. And that's it, right? That's the end of that story. Man, I, but I wanted you to see why David was a man after God's own heart. He wanted Jesus. He wanted to get the presence of Jesus, bring it back in the midst, put it in the midst of, 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 of Jerusalem, right? That's what's lacking in the world today. And a lot of churches today, churches are dying all over because in order to preach the law, think about this, in order to preach the law, you got to remove the mercy seat. God put it in the ark for that reason. In order to get, why do people die? Why do people die? Do you ever hear a story? I just thought about this. Did you ever hear, do, and you might know, have you ever read a story where people went and lifted up the mercy seat to get the, the Ten Commandments out to read? No. Should we be reading the Ten Commandments now? No. It's buried in a coffin. In order to get to it, guys, you got to remove the mercy seat. God doesn't want you to remove Jesus. He doesn't want you to remove the work of Jesus, his son. He wants you to magnify that work. Amen. How many of you guys just went, duh? Like, I just got that. Nowhere in Scripture does it say they went back and, and took the mercy seat, took the lid off. The only time it says that happened, people died. Don't do it. Just a little hint, a little help. Right? I don't have all the answers, and you should be glad I don't have all the answers. 
He's got all the answers. But I can answer this. If you go back to the law, by the law is the knowledge of sin. Paul calls it the ministry of death. So when people get up here and preach the Ten Commandments, you are being ministered to by death. (laughs) That's why you feel like you do when you're under that teaching. Like you're not good enough, like you haven't done enough, like you can't do enough. That's what the law was meant to do. And Paul calls it the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of death. Anybody want to do that? If you do, some of y'all have been asking for a marriage seminar. Pastor Dwayne, I could put one on right here. Marriage under the law, right? Come, let us, you all walk out divorced. That's what it was made to do, make you feel that you can't do it on your own. But guess what? We have Jesus. Jesus came for that very reason because none of you can do it, but he did. Jesus is the end of the law for righteousness to those who believe. That's what the Bible says. Do you believe? Jesus is the end of the law. Well, what does end mean? God. That actually kind of hurt a little bit. (laughs) I just knocked myself in the head. All right, this is it right here. First Corinthians, we're done. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take Eat, this is my body, which is broken for who? You. Do this in remembrance of me. What are we remembering about Jesus? The finished work, right? The finished work. Take, eat, this is my body, this is our healing. By his stripes we're healed, right? In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant. They knew about the old covenant, but now there's a new covenant. We're in a new covenant. I always say, man, if you had a car payment in high school, and if you're still paying on it, you're an idiot. Amen? Covenant means contract. There was a contract with God in the old covenant. We are not under that contract. The law was meant for the Jewish people. It was never meant for us. That's like somebody, like me having to pay Bobby's car payment. It was never meant for me. I'm like, that ain't fair. I will take your car, though. That'd be cool. Um, oh, this cup is the new covenant of, oh, in my blood. By the way, it's signed in the blood of Jesus, which means nothing can, can, can break that contract. It's signed by the blood of Jesus. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And I'm telling you, what do we do now? When a child gets sick, get the cup, get the cracker. You don't have to do it every, you remember every six paces they sacrifice? That's overkill. Some people say what we do is overkill. Every week you do communion? Yeah, that's not even enough. Every day you can do communion. There's power in that, man. This Thursday, when you sit down with your family, do communion with them. Start a new tradition for your children to carry on. We're bringing Jesus back to the center of our family. We're putting Jesus back where he belongs, right in the midst of our home. And guess what happens as a result of that? Obed-Edom, your whole household will be blessed when you do that. Put Jesus in the center of your house this Thursday and see what happens. Get back to me. If you're not blessed, I'll give you some of mine because I know I'm going to be overly blessed. Because we are going to put Jesus back. It's not about all the food. It's not about the decorations. It's because that kind of stuff can happen in man's own effort. 
But when you learn to let that stuff go and focus on what's important, man, that's where the magic happens. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Did y'all learn something today? Y'all ready to go eat? Stand up and give Jesus the praise as if he were here right now. Stand up like he is. He's in the midst of this church. In the midst of it. I encourage you. I encourage you. Don't be a oozah. Don't be a oozah. Don't try to do it in your own effort. Man, just be a servant of the blood. Be a servant of the blood. Doing it in remembrance that we are in a new covenant. Share that time with your family. Put Jesus back in the center and watch that blessing pop up in your life. You'll, you'll be like, you'll start to see things differently. We can have that. It's not just about having a peace of mind, man. The, the Bible says they saw the blessing in his house. Amen? Amen? All right. A couple of things. If you don't know who Jesus is by now, you must have been asleep. And that's okay. I'll repeat it if you want me to. Over lunch, which you will have to buy for falling asleep. <laughs> but if you don't know who Jesus is, man, I'd love to pray a prayer with you. We don't go through all your sins. We ain't got time for that, right? You don't have to pay penance. Well, I guess if you're going to buy me lunch, that's a form of penance. But we don't do that whole religious thing, man. It, the prayer, God made it so simple. Our Father in heaven made it so simple. Religion has jacked that up, right? I'd love to pray with you that prayer. Uh, if you have a prayer request, I'd love to pray that over you too. Pastor Dwayne will be here. There's other people in here that can pray. We're all qualified. But if you want a pastor to do it, we're more than willing. Um, and then thirdly, man, if you're looking for a church home, this is who we are every single time you see us. Amen? Can you all testify to that? doesn't matter who's speaking up here. That, man, we all believe the same thing, that Christ truly is the end of the law for righteousness. And that we, the Bible says that, that we are the right, are right now. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. We are right where I stand. I'm righteous. I might not look righteous. My wife can tell you sometimes I don't act righteous. But in God's eyes, I am righteous. I am righteous because that's what the Bible says. And Jesus did that for me. So that's what we believe. If, you're, if you want to do that, we have this form that you can fill out down here. It's very simple. And uh, you can give that to either Miss Kathy, me, or Pastor Dwayne. Um, you can hand it to somebody on their way out. Somebody that you, is at the door that usually is at the door. I guess I could, because you might hand it to somebody that's also on the way out. They're like, what do you want me to do with this, right? <laughs> Sometimes I just speak stuff. But otherwise, I'm going to pray us out. If you guys would bow your heads with me um, and uh, let me pray a blessing over us. Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you for for showing us Jesus in every area of Scripture, in the names, the, the, just the hidden meanings. And God, it's to our glory to search those out. We thank you, Father, for giving us life as a result of seeing Jesus in the Word today. Thank you, Father, for these families that are in this church right now that you have appointed for this time to hear this message, God. May families go and be supernaturally blessed this week as they bring Jesus back into the center of their homes. Father, thank you for giving us hope in that. Thank you that, that, that you do truly make all things work together for our good. So, Father, wherever these people, your people, whatever their eyes look upon, it shall be blessed. And wherever their feet touch, it shall be blessed. Wherever their hands are laid upon, it shall be blessed in the mighty name of Jesus. 
God bless all that they do. Thank you for protecting them. Thank you for being their healer. Thank you, Father, for being everything that they need. You are an all-supplying God. And we thank you that we can say you are now Abba, our Father, that you love us beyond measure, that you see us as you see your son Jesus. Perfect righteous in every way because not of not on our own doing not on our own effort but in the perfect work of jesus this do in remembrance of him thank you for making us kings and priests thank you for giving us power with our words to speak life over every situation god we receive it all and we make no apologies for it we humbly say thank you Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us power. Thank you for giving us hope. Thank you, Father, that the enemy has no power in our lives. He's a liar. We know the truth. The truth is in us. The truth is sealed in us. We have great power that comes from you. Our power source, we receive it. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, let the church say, Amen. Oh, you're dismissed. Have a great day.